is so good to be back doing these things again. I love making these podcasts because it's a time for me to just have a moment of personal reflection and time in the Word, and then I get to share it with you all. I did realize that after uh, well, I did last week's uh, first time in a long time, I left it off right in one of the hardest chapters in the Bible. This chapter isn't hard to understand, it's just hard to grasp when we feel we are entitled to certain things, that it's God's will that matters and not our own. And so we're going to see that again as we look through Romans 9, 22 through 26. Let's get started by reading that, and uh, then we will dive right into what it means. Verse 22, what if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for glory. Even us whom he has called, not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles. As indeed, he says in Hosea, those who were not my people, I will call my people. And her who is not beloved, I will call beloved. And in the very place where it was said to them, You are not my people, there they will be called the sons of the living God. In this section, Paul continues to make use of his pottery metaphor. He has said that there are two different kinds of people, those who were created for wrath and those who were created for glory. And his reasoning here begins with the fact that we do not know what we have been saved from if he can't point to the destination of those on whom his wrath abides. These are very scary thoughts to think that someone would not be saved. We don't wish it upon our worst enemy. But that's because we stand in our worst enemy's shoes. We do indeed have the wrath of God resting on us until Christ removes it. And so we begin to understand the riches of God's glory revealed in us when he has saved us. And it says he prepared us in this way beforehand for glory. And so oftentimes we want to ask, am I a vessel of wrath or a vessel of mercy? Could I change if I wanted to? Well, the answer is, no, you couldn't change if you wanted to. But if you're beginning to ask questions about, am I a vessel of wrath? or a vessel of mercy, perhaps it shows that God is already working in your heart. He is already causing you to ask questions about what God would want of us and what his plan is for us. This is the glory of adoption. To place this argument in context, we have to remind ourselves what sin does to us. And Paul uses verses 25 and 26 to ground his argument in Scripture. He quotes Hosea in a couple of different places here. And the book of Hosea is a very scary book. It talks about Israel's uh, destruction and her self-willed prostitution. That's the word that is used through Hosea. Hosea is told to go marry a woman of ill repute and have children by her. Whether or not you agree with Calvin, if this was a mere metaphor or, or a parable, 
it's still a scary book, regardless. It's scary on one account to see the punishment of people who hate God being heaped upon them. But on the other side, it's scary to see what we have done to God with our unfaithfulness. See, Hosea here represents God's love. He continues to love this woman in the book of Hosea, who is a less than desirable person, even though she keeps running away from him. Every time we think, do, or say something that is against God, we are running away from him. We might make light of small sins, but there is no small sin because sin grows, as James says, James 1. It, it, it grows up and it becomes death. It only took one disobedient act by Adam and Eve to separate them from God. So in this section, when Paul is quoting Hosea, he's saying it is amazing that anyone is ever saved. Even the people of Israel continue to run from God, and God calls them, not my people. But he does gather some back to himself. And Paul says, this is so that they might know his glory, and it might show his wrath and make known his power. Because it's not about us. It's about God. It's about what God is doing among us that makes him great. So when we begin to ask questions like, Am I a vessel of wrath or a vessel of mercy? We can see here that God is faithful even when we are faithless. Despite our constant walking away, he will call us back to him. And the only thing that makes this happen is God's work in our lives. John Bunyan, one of the great writers of all history, his uh, most famous work being The Pilgrim's Progress and the second most published book behind the Bible, this great man struggled with assurance when he was first saved. He was convinced that he had committed the unpardonable sin and rejected Christ. He was sure that he had walked away from God and God would not allow him back into communion with him. And he struggled and fought against his flesh. He was in torment in his soul for a long time. But he says, that what brought him back was not his own mustering of strength to return to God, but God's promises that he would be faithful even when we are faithless. Everyone struggles with the thought that they are too bad for God. Or, they feel like they deserve everything from God. J.I. Packer says, There are two sorts of sick consciences, those that are not aware enough of sin and those that are not aware enough of pardon. Another way to say this might be that we are either hopelessly miserable, we have no hope, no way out of our sin, or we are fatally complacent, we don't care, and we don't think that we need any help. Vessels of wrath look at their sin and either say, it's not that bad, or who could save me? But vessels of mercy think back to Romans 8. At the end of chapter 7, he says, Who shall deliver me from this body of death? Beginning of chapter 8 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's not our grasp of Christ that saves us. It's his grasp of us. 
A lot of people, when they read this passage, will say, well, if there are already people who are predetermined to love God and some to not love God, then why evangelize? Why continue to live if I am a vessel of mercy? Can I not just continue to live the way I desire, the way I have always lived? That sounds like someone who is looking for wrath. But someone who fully understands the graciousness of God is going to return to him in gratitude. Don't make the mistake of being hateful towards God for how he has decided to do things, but turn to him in reverence and fear and gratitude for what he has done for us. We can live with the knowledge that God chooses and with the knowledge that we have no clue whom he has chosen. We cannot pretend to be God in thinking that we know that anyone is saved. We can have assurance within ourselves that we are saved because he has given us the Holy Spirit and promised us that we might be saved. Even the ones we are most sure of, we can never be 100% sure. That is why we are called to constantly preach the gospel. It's not something that we cast off once we are saved. It's something by which we are being saved. This is 1 Corinthians 1.18. We continually have a hope of the wisdom of God, which is folly to the world, which is the cross. Don't give up this power of God's wisdom in holding the cross all the time. Preach it to yourself, preach it to others, and don't lose sight of what he has done for you. Father, thank you so much for loving us. We know without a doubt that if we say Christ can save even me, that he can save anyone. And Father, this is the hope that we have, that you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Help us to look to you out of fealty and fear and love and not out of anger and entitlement. Help us to preach freely the gospel that you have given to us. And by your Son's name we pray. Amen.